Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Right For Your Life podcast. I am joined by Mr. Mike Hurley. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ian Broom. Everyone should know that by now. And um, today we're going to be talking about um, not the author platform as such, um, because that's that's kind of a um, very big topic. Everyone seems to talk about it these days. Everyone says that authors and writers and, you know, any kind of artist, I suppose, needs some sort of platform. But I want today to talk about um, specifically the the website, so an author's website, or um, I guess you could also say a personal blog, or... Um, uh, I guess specifically I want to talk about the decisions that you have to make uh, when you're doing these uh, things, when you're setting up your, your personal website. And the reason that I want to talk about it is because I am hopefully in the process of uh, putting live, in fact, over the next week or so, um, ianbroom.com, ianbroom which is difficult to say, it would seem. <laughs> ianbroom. ianbroom.com. It's an entirely <laughs> new alias. It's my nom de plume. Um, that's not true, but it is money website, <laughs> and uh, it's gonna it's gonna replace right for your life. You know, this is uh, this is that's the right for your big, life podcast. That's a just, do we have to start calling it the Ian Broom podcast? Are we gonna are you gonna make me do that? No, we've been through this. That's we do not need to do that. This is still gonna be the right for your life podcast, but my website is gonna be ianbroom dot com, and um, and in fact that's an issue as well. Whether whether I call it uh, that, I've been I've been tackling whether to to have it .com or whether I should have it .net or even, imagine this, .co.uk. So that's a whole discussion for us there. So it's the idea of an author kind of website, all the different decisions that you have to kind of think about and take when you're setting one up. And, uh, and hopefully, Mike, you can talk to me a little bit about the decisions that you've had to make when you've been setting up the 70 decibels website too. We are indeed. But I must mention very quickly, I don't know if you set this, but ianbroom.com at the moment, it says, hold tight, Ian Broom is currently undergoing scheduled maintenance. I have set that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been up there for a very short period of time. Um, I hadn't really thought about the possibility of me mentioning that web address several times on a podcast. Um, it's in the show notes week. now. Because but yes, it, that was it's a bit just, of an error. It's just, just funny to me that it says that you personally... Uh, I'm going to go into maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, in a way, it's kind of true. I think I'm always going to undergo some sort of maintenance. This is a bit like therapy for me. This podcast. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that I have that effect on you. Indeed. Before we get into the real meat of the show, let's talk about our first of two sponsors this week. Um, our first sponsor is Harvest. Um, Harvest is a pain, painless time tracking and invoicing application um, relied on by the most innovative teams in over 100 countries worldwide. Companies like Happy Cog, Squarespace and Volkswagen and a ton of other freelance developers, designers and consultants use Harvest. With Harvest, you can track your time effortlessly from anywhere using their web client or one of the many apps that they have on platforms including Android, iOS and their newly released Mac app. You can send your clients professional and attractive invoices directly from Harvest via email, PDF, or on the web, and they can pay you instantly by credit card or by using fast payment gateways like PayPal, Authorize.net, Trust Commerce, and more. However you like to get paid for the work that you do for a client, Harvest has ways to integrate it. Harvest have created a service that's so intuitive and easy to use that you can spend a lot less time worrying about your timesheet and more time focusing on your work. You can try Harvest for 30 days for free today. No credit card, no obligations. Go to getharvest.com and sign up for a free trial. After your trial period is finished, you can use the code 512 at checkout 
to receive 50% off your first month. And you, do, you must do this quick, though, however, because this offer will expire on August the 1st, 2012. So just enough time for you to get your 30 days in for free and then to get your 50% off. So thank you very much to Harvest for sponsoring. Thank you, Harvest. Thank you, Harvest. So, the first decision that I've had to make... In fact, maybe I should talk about the reason why I've decided to change to ianbroom.com. As I may have mentioned on previous episodes, I've got a book coming out on the 1st of September. The, dig- the digital version is out on the 1st of August. So any US listeners, that's the one that you need to go for mm-hmm. because it's not being released in paperback form in the US just yet. I need to get uh, the correct um, deals in place in order for that to happen. You need to get but, your men on the ground. Indeed, that's true. But they can get the Kindle version. So basically, my novel's been published. I've talked about this before. And as a result, I've decided to change Write for Your Life, the blog that I've been running since December 2008. The thing that I'm kind of, and I say this with much hesitation, the thing that I'm known for on the internet. I'm changing, and I'm changing it to ianbroom.com. So I'm making it my, you know, my name. It's all about me uh, now, or it will be. And um, the reason I decided to do that was I just thought, I mean, one, on a very practical level, that if people are kind of looking for me, uh, if people find my book first, then they need to, they'll probably search for me rather than searching for Right For Your Life. I mean, of course, they, that, that, of course that's what they're going to do. So I just wanted to make it easier for people who knew me as an author, which is the most important thing to me, my, you know, me being an author in my book, that's the most important part of my kind of, thing, my shtick. So I guess if I thought people came to me through that, then um, it would make it easier for them to find me online, basically. Um, So that's kind of why I decided to do the change, um, uh, primarily. But I also thought that it was kind of time. I thought that I was ready. I've been uh, struggling to um, been struggling to kind of get my head around the idea of constantly churning out writing advice. Just just because, really, it's, it's kind of all out there. There's not much more that can be said, I don't think, about about writing. There's an awful lot of writing advice out there, an awful lot of writing blogs. And um, anything that I write in the future, I think, is going to be entirely from um, uh, experience in the sense that if I write a blog post that is in some way providing advice, then I think it would be deeply sort of rooted in um, something that I've just done or been working on. Or this happened to me recently, and I think you might benefit you knowing it because of these reasons rather than just writing the kind of post that we talked about a few episodes ago where it's 10 killer ways to write the perfect paragraph not really into that kind of thing anymore lots of people have written it uh written those articles and i don't really want to um so that's kind of why i thought uh com is more personal it's less about less about writing advice as such and more about me about uh, my writing and sort of my thoughts on writing and reading and lots of other subjects too, but primarily writing. Um, so that was the reason for changing to ianbroom.com. But the biggest sort of decision I've had to make, um, and I'd like your opinion on this, Mike, because I still, I still sort of wonder whether it's the right one or I've made the right decision. Um, and that's to, for the, for the, for the website to still be effect, effectively, essentially a blog. So, so far, Write for Your Life has always been a blog. It's been a homepage where you get a list of recent articles or, or you know, interviews or video posts or whatever it might be. But when you get there and you get the latest news, effectively, the latest things that I've written. So a lot of other author sites, um, however, 
their homepage would be uh, all about their products. So in my case, it'd be about my, my book. So rather than having a blog as a homepage, there's pretty strong arguments to say, well, that can be a separate kind of page or a separate section of your site. The main thing you want to show people when they arrive at your site is, I don't know, a big picture of your book that you're selling or a big picture of you or both and with a big buy it now button and um, get people selling, you know, sell, sell, sell. So that was kind of a real big decision. I'm not sure if I've made the right decision, but I've decided to go with the blog still. Um, mm. Because I think that that's what people know the site for. That's what people have subscribed to the site for because they kind of they see it as a blog. Um, and I kind of don't think that it doesn't really feel very me to kind of um, shove it in people's faces that I want them to buy their book. Hopefully, they'll get to the site. They might go to the they might find the link first. It's not going to it's still going to be prominent, you know, buy the book type of thing. But hopefully they'll kind of get to know me through my blog first, through reading a couple of posts, and then they'll want to know more, and then they'll want to buy the book. It feels a more organic and more natural way of doing things rather than just saying, hello, I'm Ian, buy my book. But uh, but it's a tricky one, and I, I don't judge others for taking the opposite decision. I've been a bit unsure myself as to what to do. Mike, what do you think? I'm pleased you're taking that route. Um, we've spoken about this a few times, and I've heard you go backwards and forwards on it. Personally, just because I, that's how I would, how I prefer it. But I can really see the benefit of doing that, and I wonder if it will be the best decision from a business perspective for you. We won't know that, you know. We're, we're never going to know that. Um, but I think, Ian, you're probably doing the right thing because the book is 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 an important thing. It's very important, you know, one of the most important things in your life. But it's not. 100% of who you are online so it should not dominate 100% of your website I think um, and that right for your life which you know that 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 idea that the blog that you've created you've, you you know that has helped you get this book and you shouldn't now in my opinion turn your back on the blog and the community because you have a book to sell um, and that uh, you know a uh, a lot of people that are going to find Ian Broom probably want to know a bit about the author, a bit about the guy, not necessarily the book, and that they probably already know about the book if they're coming to your website. And my feeling is the best way to find out a bit about me and the book um, is really just to read a few posts. And I don't even mean sort of the long articles that I write. It's the, you know, even the shorter link posts where I just sort of quote someone else and add a little bit of commentary to it afterwards. Uh, it's kind of that's kind of a for me kind of the most natural route into it, or route into I guess uh, <laughs> route into me. That sounds very unpleasant, doesn't it? Um, but um, uh, but it's a tough one, and a lot of authors kind of have to. I mean, a lot of authors. I, I'm kind of happy to post. I, I like having a blog. I like blogging, but a lot of authors don't, and they're not really. They either don't have the time, or they're not really, just not really into it, or they don't see the point. So a lot of for a lot of authors, just having and, and I'm talking about, I, I think mainly um, published authors. You know, people who have been published um, perhaps even for years. The, most people's websites um, uh, they don't really have blogs as such. It's not written. I mean, not written by the author as well. If they do have them, sometimes it's more. You might have a latest news section where it's kind of, I don't know, Trevor. Trevor the author reading at such and such an event or new book coming out soon but there isn't any uh, a blog as such where you get to 
know people more. And the website really is uh, constructed entirely to um, focus on the author's writing. And that's kind of that's quite kind of kind of important an important thing that we. That's kind of an important sort of um, distinction to make, really, because I, by having a blog and by making my blog prominent, and the fact that it's not a blog that's um, specifically about my work, you know, it's a blog basically about writing. It's a blog that helps other people, hopefully, or a blog that comments on the publishing industry at large. Because of that, I'm actually most of the time not talking about the one thing that I want to sell. It's still there, but it's, it's, it is in the background. There is a layer. The blog creates, a, I guess, a layer. I'm not going to use the word barrier because I don't think it is a barrier, but it does create a layer of sorts between, um, I guess, uh, the, the products, the purchase. Whereas, like I say, I think most authors don't do that. Most published authors really do focus on the writing, their own writing and their own books and their own, their own, the things that they're selling, I guess. So it, is, it, it does feel like an important decision, but I hope I've made the right one by going for the blog, just because that's what people know Write For Your Life for. And I don't really want to make any big drastic changes to the site in terms of kind of its aim. No, I, I do agree with you there, Ian. I think that's a I think it's the right thing to do for you. Mm. I do. I think it's the right thing. And and well, let, let's talk about my presence online a bit because it's it's different in a way, but if, I think it follows a lot of the same sort of ideas. So, I think you have, you have less of a presence and more of a more of an aura. Yeah, that's actually quite a good way to put it. Really, because my main the main place people will. will will go to find work that I do is 70 decibels, right? So the network that this show is a part of. But you go to 70decibels.com and my name's not there. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not there in any way. You, the, the first you, you will come across my name is by maybe clicking into one of the shows and seeing my name as one of the hosts or going into the host page. But everything's done, automa- it's done sort of alphabetically. So it doesn't, mm. it doesn't point me out as being head honcho in any way, really. It's kind of for... You you kind of have to go into the hosts and then take a look and find my bio and see that I'm the co-creator, executive producer, and host, right? But I'm right down the bottom because I do it by alphabet. You know, and it's just little things like that because what I have created is a community um, that that is uh, like a group of people that I create these shows with. So Ian's there. Right, so you're there. Hi. Hello, Ian. And then we've got all the other hosts. You know, we have Stephen and Brett and Aaron and Dave, Terry. You know, everybody's there. Um, and and because I want their identities to be as important as mine, I, I don't feel that on seventy decibels, I have a right to to consider myself to be more important than anybody else. And that's just the way that I like to look at it because it's an, it's a network of people. It's not it's not Mike Hurley podcasting network. Um, but. I do also have my own blog, um, MikeHurley.net, but you know, I post sort of sporadically to there, but that kind of it, it speaks for itself, really. That's just where I have something to say that doesn't fit the 70 decibels blog, so it's not about the sh- one of the shows or something. Like, you know, I might want to comment on a piece of technology or something like that, and uh, I'll put it up there. So I do have that as well, but I, like you, I don't... It, in theory, I could just have this big splash page, which I've also thought of, which at first directed people back to the podcast network. 
Mm. I've been toying with that idea for a while, actually, whether to just because I didn't because I don't up, update my blog very much. I'd considered just having, like, you come to a big page and it's, it's got a picture of me. Nice. Like ianbroom.net, right? Like your mailing list. Um, I thought yeah. of having something like that and it kind of just said, hi, I'm a podcaster. You can find that stuff here. There's a blog if you wanted to read it and that's over here. If you want to contact me, do it this way. And I'd thought about doing that, but then thought, well, in, with the same sort of discussion that we've been having, people will probably find 70 decibels before they'll find me if that's what they're looking for. If they're looking for me, then they probably want to hear what I'm talking about. And I have a, a, like a, a, like an about, like a, I actually have a projects page on this blog. And then there's just a link there to 70 decibels. So is part of your decision, um, I mean, do you, con- do you consider, I mean, you have a kind of a, a dual kind of dilemma, I think. So you have, you kind of, um, you kind of put your uh, co-hosts first, I know that you do that. You're very generous with your time. You're very generous with your uh, the way that you. I don't know. You're just very generous. Thank <laughs> uh, But you. But, and but the way you do it is kind of you do put your your hosts first because most of most of the hosts kind of have their own had their own website or they have something separate and then they've come to you. You've kind of they've, the, the the podcast. Generally speaking, I, I think it's fair to say has been the second thing that those people have done. So the shows sort of can't exist without the hosts, almost. But at the same, so, so you know, in a way, you might argue that uh, Centre Decibels wouldn't exist without the hosts. But by the same token, the entire network rests and you know, what's the word? What's the phrase? Rest and falls. That's not the sentence, is it? There's um, a phrase that I need to use there. What's the what's the phrase? Tell me quick. Rises and falls. Um, no. Lives and dies. Lives and dies. That that would do. That's not the one, but it's but it would uh, do. But it's good. It's quite dramatic. The entire network depends very. Oh, man, you are the man. Without 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 you, the center decibels doesn't exist. And yet, as you say, you do put yourself a bit further down. And I guess, in a way, I, I, and I guess this is a question. This is this is kind of you have kind of like a series of products, don't you? So whereas I'm talking about having an author's web, author website with one product, you actually have quite a quite a, f- a, f- a few products. And what most people do when they have products is they put the best sellers really prominent because they know that that's what's going to hook people in. Now you have some shows that have a lot more uh, listeners than others. That's kind of the natural way of things. That's how things work. And yet you've tro- chosen to give everyone, including yourself, equal prominence. So that's quite. An interesting decision. There's an argument uh, to say that the Semtid Decibels homepage, for instance, you might have um, your most listened to podcast dominate the entire top half of the page, and then everyone else kind of in smaller, smaller links, smaller squares underneath. But you've chosen not to do that, and to me, that seems like quite a conscious decision. It is because I don't feel that. I mean, yes, there are shows that are bigger than others, and as time has gone on, some shows have become bigger than other shows. So I don't think it's fair to... So let's, let's say for if, if I start a new show tomorrow, it's probably not going to have as big um, an audience as this show or, or another show on the network. And that's not fair on that show or the hosts of that show. I'm, I might not even be on that one, and I don't think that's very fair. Um, I, I feel like you've got to give everybody a, a level playing field, and, and I just see the way to organize these things just do it by the alphabet um and as well i mean to every in to every person that comes to the site they might not care about whatever the number one show is 
they they will want to listen to what they find interesting. So, like, for example, um, let's talk about homework, right? So that's about people... That's a show that's mainly geared for people that work for themselves, work from home, or are telecommuters. But if you have no interest in that, but you do have interest in pens and paper, then you might want to listen to the pen addict instead. And there's no... I don't feel that for, for those products, as you rightly put, they are like my product. I don't think that I can necessarily say to every person, you should have this one, because it might not be what they're looking for. And that's the idea, I think, coming back to your site again, that's the idea of that. Just Just because you have a book or just because you have a blog doesn't mean that one of those should take precedent over the other one. And you should do probably the sensible thing in having the blog and having a, a nice prominent link to the book there. So people, it's got sort of equal space. Do you want me to tell you how I've got around it? Yeah, please do. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, uh, I'm playing around with it and, and have installed HelloBar. I was going to mention this. I think it's a fantastic WordPress plugin. Um, and I've seen a bunch of our friends, like Pat has used it, Stephen used it, and Dave did too when they all launched their own books. Well, it's, uh, you can get a WordPress plugin for it, but you don't actually need one. You just, um, Hello Bar is, um, and I'm sure lots of people have seen this. And I wasn't sure about this because, I mean, I, I, for a living at the workshop where I work, design company, whenever I work on a website, you know, my, my job is often about usability. So making sure that it's the best user experience that we can possibly give the user. So it's worried me the fact that I'm going to use, potentially use something like Hello Bar. And what it is, if you don't know, is that, uh, I guess the top, I don't know, <laughs> the top, uh, what would you say? I don't know. Third of an inch, the top centimeter, depending on the size of your screen, I suppose. That's Just a ridiculous say like way. Like 20 pixels, 30 pixels, something like that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. A size. A very thin strip. <laughs> <laughs> that's a better way of putting it. A thin strip at the top of your website. Um, a strip of color, and then in the middle you have something like, buy my brand new book, Ace Frangelica, and then a little link or a little button that says, pre-order now. And, um, and that's kind of just stays there at the top of the site. And, um, and, and it's kind of, uh, uh, it's in a fixed position as well. So if you scroll down, then it always stays there. And it's kind of a permanent reminder for people that you're, uh, that you're selling them, selling something or that you want them to link to somewhere. So I could have changed that. That could be subscribe to the blog now and it could have been a link to the RSS feed. It could be anything. It's basically just a strip with some words and then a link in. So I've been toying around with this hello bar because I thought the entire website is still going to be the blog, but I do really want to, I do really want to push the book, especially when it's being launched and especially as it's available to pre-order now. Uh, I want to push that. So I figured this was kind of the best, best way around it. Um, but I have been worried that it's, you know, just basically forcing people to keep this strip across the top of the screen that's selling my book, whether it's a bit intrusive. You can. You can when you um, when you copy the little bit of code. You can change in the settings um, for there to be an arrow, so it can be it can be collapsed. So if the user kind of sees my message, goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, all right, I've already bought it." Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I don't want to see that. They can click the arrow and get rid of it, and that will stay, you know, kind of go permanently. I think um, that's a nice little thing to have. Yes. So I, and I, so I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use the hello bar. So um, if you know if anyone's listening and didn't know about that, then do check it out. It's um, I, I haven't got the web address up in front of me, it's, but I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes. It is, and it's hellobar.com. Easy. It's nice and attractive, and it's it's a paid service, right? Mm. You can um, 
it's all about, I think it goes on clicks. Yeah. So if you want, I don't know the figures, but if it's after so many clicks, it's free. You have, there's a free, you can, you can have a free version, but you're only, you can only have so many clicks. 25. So if so many people click on your link, um, in your, in your sort of hello bar, your strip across the top of your site, um, then there's a limit to how many people can, can click on it, I guess. Yes. And then you 25 can, various the plans. Yeah. 20, 25 is the free. And then you've got, Hundred, five hundred, two and a half thousand, seven and a half, seven and a half thousand, and there's just prices for each of those starting at four ninety five. Yeah, and that's and the the other good thing about it uh, about Hello Bar and the part of the reason I because I've decided to go for the one of the paid versions, and um, the good thing about it is that I can uh, get some statistics. I know how many people have clicked on it. So if it turns out that that isn't actually very successful and nobody's clicking on the link, then you know I'll just get rid of it. Um, but I think I will launch with it on and give it a try. I think it's great. I think it doesn't take up too much space. It's not this huge banner ad, um, and it's it's out of the way enough. And you can I, can I assume you can customize the colors and stuff, right? Yeah, so you can make it look like part of your site, and I, I don't think that that's I think that makes it attractive and and, and not a jarring feature. Yeah, and another reason I decided to use a paid version is that you can get rid of the hello bar. Branding. I mean, it's fairly unintrusive, actually. But if you get the free version, you have to have kind of a a big H on the or a big H. Sorry, yeah. pronounce that properly. You have a big H on the left hand side, and I thought, well, I don't really want to have that, so um, I got rid of it by paying for it. So, um, so that's that was kind of my way around it. And 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 the other the other thing with um, the other thing with having a blog um, is is kind of having prominent uh, ways to subscribe to the blog itself. This is something that I think was really successful about the first ever version of Write for Your Life. So I don't know if I've ever told you about this, Mike, but I, it's always been a bit of a mystery to me as to how I became um, a blogger at all. I mean, I just posted a couple of blog posts and before i knew it i had like a hundred subscribers i mean it, it took uh, it took a month to get a hundred subscribers which seems kind of crazy i think that's um, very fast yeah it's pretty fast to go and from nothing to a hundred in a month is is that's actually quite impressive i think i know well I, I was impressed at the time i was i i did a little dance yeah you should do um, but I think part of the reason I did that was because I used, um, it was just a, a WordPress theme and it was from a wonderful man called Nick Chernis, um, who he used to have the website, it used to be called putthingsoff.com and then he made the iPhone app Put Things Off and I think he now blogs at Modern Nerd. Um, and Nick's, uh, I don't know him sort of in real life, but I've sort of had contact with him over the internet and he makes these WordPress themes and the first one he made had this great big banner across the top, um, where you could put in a picture of some sorts, and it was just, I mean, there are loads of WordPress themes like it now, but it basically meant I had a big strap line and a big button that said subscribe for free. So my strap line says, I think, and I think I was much more calculated about it than I am now. And maybe, maybe, because um, I haven't really had seen that kind of growth since. Obviously, the blog has got plenty of subscribers and much more than that now, but um, nothing like that kind of growth. And I think the strap line I was using was, and let me just think. Um, I think it was something like um, we're new, <laughs> something like that. We're new. Um, help us grow. Um, subscribe, subscribe now and help us grow, or something like that. And then there's a big button that was subscribe for free, and that signed people up to 
um, uh, not to the RSS feed um, as uh, kind of as we would understand it. You know, with the where you would use a like Google Reader or something like that. It was to actually get um, um, updates over email. So over half of the people subscribe to Write for Your Life at the moment. Every time I post something, most people don't read it through. Um, a, a, um, a feed reader, they, an RSS reader, they get emails every day, updates from me. It must be terrifying. But it's quite an important thing, this um, uh, having a place, having this, these subscription buttons are quite important. Now, I don't want to go and do that again and have this sort of huge banner that took up half the screen, effective though it was. Um, but I have had to think about how I can make it easy for people to subscribe to the blog because my current, the current version of Write for Your Life doesn't really do that. I kind of took it for granted that people knew about subscribing to blogs. And um, a lot of people don't. And I think that's another important thing. It's about understanding your audience um, and knowing what their expectations are. So me and you, Mike, we read a lot of tech blogs, don't we? We do, yeah. You especially, I would say. Yeah, probably me more than you, definitely. Indeed. And, um, and it's kind of... RSS is taken for granted by most people. Yeah, like I don't even, I don't even look for an RSS button because I know how to subscribe to sites in Google Reader. I know that you can you can just plug the address in. Like I don't even, if I if there's a site that I want, I don't go to the site and find the button. I just go to Google Reader and add it to my subscriptions. Yeah, I know, and that's what I do because I know how to do that. But the mistake that I think I've made with the current version of Write for Your Life. You know, the very sparse one, you can see it there now, writeforyourlife.net, um, is I love it. I love the design of it, and I've been changing the design of it uh, for the new site. But I actually love the minimal nature of it. I like, I like the fact that it hasn't got loads of bells and whistles and loads of subscribe buttons. It hasn't got like a Facebook grid of some sort on the right-hand side. You've just got basically my writing and some links to find out more about me. But... The mistake I think I made was entirely misunderstanding my audience. I think that I made, I think that I had been reading too many tech blogs, got used to people not really making that much of a fuss about the RSS, and just uh, because they're where the, where the audience there might kind of already know about that kind of thing, and I entirely really entirely forgot that uh, a lot of people that read write for your life, a lot of authors, a lot of writers haven't got, I mean, a lot have got technical knowledge, but many many haven't or not the same kind of uh, technical knowledge certainly that perhaps I have because I work in like a technical industry of sorts, a design industry. And it means that they don't kind of know the terminology. So if you want to offer people the ability to subscribe to your website, you need to make it clear, first of all, how they do that, but also what it means. So instead of just saying, just instead of just literally saying a, a, a link that just says RSS, it's much more valuable to say subscribe via RSS. I mean, it sounds quite simple, but it's um, it makes a difference. Or, or or even go a bit further and say have kind of subscribe by RSS, and then you know in brackets perhaps you know if you don't know what this means, then here's a link to find out more. That type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'll go that far, but it is the idea of making these subscription uh, options um, visible and. Um, uh, and uh, and kind of not and knowing your audience and knowing what the expectations are from your audience, making it as easy as possible for people to stay in touch with your work and your website. I have a question for you, Mike, because one of the things that um, um, I always did when I was when when before the Right for Life podcast, this very podcast, before we joined uh, Seventy Decibels, I always used to post the episodes in exactly the same way that we do now. I would post them to uh, Right for Life to tell people about it 
and it would automatically go to iTunes, all that kind of thing, as it, as it does mm. now. But I would include um, a player. So on the, each post, I would include a little uh, like audio player. And the reason I did that was because I, I, I kind of thought, well, maybe people won't know how to subscribe or uh, go to iTunes, or they won't understand the, the download, you know, download the MP3 actually means, you know, play the MP3, that kind of thing. But of course, your your wider audience for seventy decibels means that you um, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but that, I guess that's part of the reason you don't have um, a player there is because it's about expectations and what you think the audience will understand. Is that, is that about fair? Yeah, and the main the the main reason I don't have one is because it, the additional work that it would take from me to do it. Um, because there are the, the ho- I use dedicated hosts. I don't I don't host the files myself, so I use some some software that, that and, and programs that do it for me. And they do offer solutions, but they don't look the way that I would want. Um, there are ways for me to do it, um, and I know that there are ways for me to do it. But it would require extra work for me every time. Um, I, it's something that's on my list of things to do when the site's refreshed. Um, but because I do personally feel that it is a very small portion of our potential audience that would need it. Um, I tend not to offer it. Uh, and, uh, there are download links. So there's a link in every post to, to download the MP3 or the AAC file. Um, and it's simply because I, I just weighed up the time versus what I felt to be the perceived reward. Um, and I get a lot of requests for features for the network and for stuff. And that's one on the very, very, very low scale. I have had very, very few requests to add that. Mm. I mean, the, the time versus reward thing is also a really good point. So I, when I first started uh, thinking about redesigning the website, changing to Ian Broom and kind of having the big overhaul, I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to really learn how to build my own WordPress installation and website from scratch I know how to mess around with WordPress. I know a certain amount of coding, um, but I haven't ever built my, you know, the entire thing from scratch. So um, my first thought was that's what I would do. I would try and build the whole thing from scratch. But then exactly, you know, exactly the right phrase. I got to a point where I thought the time it's going to take me to do this is the reward really worth it when there are so many fantastic WordPress themes available and eventually I decided it wasn't worth it so I've I, I've chosen a, a, a professional sort of WordPress theme that I really like and then I've tweaked it I've sort of made design changes myself and I've actually added bits of coding myself so when you when when it goes live and you see the subscription links which are going to be at the top of top of the the home page I coded them myself so I took you know an original template uh, that someone else had done and tweaked it to how I wanted it. And it was entirely to do with time reward. Ideally, I would have built the whole thing from scratch myself, you know, or even commissioned a proper designer to do it or proper developer to do it. But in terms of, you know, th- I guess that's cost reward as well, isn't it? That's another thing to consider. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I guess I have one more kind of uh, point to make. And um, and um, and this is this is one that I think that, in the design industry, it's it's been a hot topic for some time. In terms of author websites, I'm not sure that we're quite there yet. But the idea of making sure that it works on mobile phones and tablets and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, how are you? What's your thoughts on that? Have you got an idea of how many people 
come to 70 decibels via mobile phones or via um, you know the uh, iPads or that kind of thing. Yeah, I can actually. Um, let me hang on a minute. I should have it here. Yeah. Um, if I'm looking, say, on the iPhone, let's look at the iPhone. Eight point three eight percent of our traffic is from the iPhone, and one point two two percent is from Android. With fifty five percent being on Mac OS ten, and then the rest is kind of made up of various versions of Windows. Windows seven is twelve point three percent, and Windows XP is nine point eight percent. I'm going to tell you in a minute how I know that. Um, <laughs> that's actually going to lead into our next sponsor. Um, but so I, I have that information, and so. I always felt a site like ours, there's not going to be an awful lot of traffic from the iPhone, I think, because it, it, it it's going to be information heavy, um, and I wouldn't want to remove information. So what I did was I just made very conscious decisions when designing the site and the width of the page to make sure that um, it's visible on the iPhone screen um, and still clear enough that parts of it are readable. And and that you know the the areas can be nice and easily double clicked and obviously it looks great on the iPad, um, but yes I I did make considerations and with my personal blog, um, I've recently moved it over to a, a a Squarespace site a beta Squarespace site we'll talk about Squarespace in a moment, um, and they have and the theme that I chose is a responsive theme so it this basically means that no matter what you're reading it on. Um, whether that's in a full-size web browser or a, um, a a mobile web browser, the site automatically scales and cuts out and moves around content to fit those screens. So I made I made that choice. Yeah, and uh, and that's exactly what I what I've done. And I think that most uh, author websites in the future will have to be. I mean, for the record, I get. Uh, it's about 4%, so slightly less than you, but I think that makes more sense because you've got quite a few shows that are, are uh, technology, iPhone, Mac-centric. Yeah. But I've, I've got 4. Uh, 4. 3, 6. 0. about 7% come from iPhone or iOS, um, which I think is quite a lot. I mean, it doesn't sound like a huge amount, but it is, it's not an insignificant amount of traffic going who are, people who are accessing my website via their mobile phone or by the by the iPad or tablet. Um, and therefore, um, you kind of want to make sure it looks good wherever it appears. And um, more and more websites are going to have to take this into consideration. But basically, I've chosen to do what you've done, Mike, and that's I picked a WordPress theme that was responsive. So that means that um, if you look at it on the phone, then the entire website will look like it was designed for... A phone. Um, if you look at it on on your desktop, your normal machine, a laptop, or something, then it will look like it's designed for that. So you can test this out by on on various websites just by adjusting your browser. You'll see it just sort of change as you um, resize your your browser. Things will move around so that they're in more sensible places. Um, so and, and I've chosen to do that. So hopefully, um, it'll, well, it'll be interesting to see how much that affects traffic. Whether people will be more likely to access the website via their phone because they have a better experience. Um, and you know, there's, there are uh, we've discussed the now links. If people are out and about, and for some reason they, I don't know, I don't know why this would happen, but well, I guess it could happen. So for instance, if I'm um, if I'm if I'm out and about, <laughs> I don't know where I'm out and about at, but if I end up speaking to someone about my book. I can then whip out my 
and very easily give them a link to um, show them the website, easy to use on the mobile, and show them how they can then click a button and buy my book, and they can get their phone out and do the same. And um, uh, and the difference is, whereas that's been specifically designed to make it easy for them to do that on on my new design, my new website. For instance, on the current one, because it's not sort of optimized for working on mobile phones or, or sort of different sized screens, um, then it's, it is slightly more difficult to read and you do have to zoom in and, and that kind of thing. And this is going to be more and more important for author websites is to try and make sure that you, you think about things like that and that you get um, either a responsive design or you can have kind of you can have um, sort of entirely different versions, so like an entire mobile site. Um, it's, it's kind of the distinction. So rather than the same design changing depending on the screen, si- screen size, which is responsive design, you might just have an entire mobile site where the whole thing is um, kind of coming from a different place. Both both kind of can work, uh, um, but the key thing is that you're giving people the chance to use their mobiles um, to access your content and then make it look properly good. So um, I think that's it, Mike. I, 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 we must be getting towards half an hour. I don't have a clock on me, which most people call a watch. Forty minutes. Oh, crying okay. We, we should have finished ten minutes ago. So let's, uh, I, I want to hear about our second sponsor first before yes, we wrap this up. We've spoken throughout this whole episode about creating websites. That's what we've been speaking about. And I have the perfect solution for you for creating websites, and that's Squarespace. Squarespace sponsored us last month. They've come back to sponsor us this month. Squarespace gives you everything you need to create an amazing professional website. You have simple to master WYSIWYG tools. If you're not much of a designer, you can pick from one of their templates, and you can very easily make changes. If you want to change a font, you select the font in the editor and select the new font that you want, and you see it change before your eyes. If you want to change the size of it, you just drag the slider and watch the text size grow and shrink depending on what you want. A recent addition to Squarespace, another thing that they add into their massive package, is the a new domain service. With every annual account, you get a free custom domain that they enable onto your site. You don't need to worry about making any changes on the back end. They take care of all of this for you. All you need to do is worry about picking a name that's available. Squarespace also integrate Google Apps, so if you want an email address of this new domain that you get, you just check a box and they'll do it. And so you don't need to worry about going in and making any changes there again. They just take care of it all for you. I mentioned um, the stats. The stats that I have are coming from Squarespace. They have a very fantastic uh, integrated statistics package. It shows you um, visitors by you know, your traffic overview can be in days, weeks, months. I can get all of that breaking down, broken down for me. I have all the different browsers that visit my site. I have all the different OSs that visit my site. I have lists of the people that have come to visit that have sort of linked to me. So I get, you know, I get the statistics for how many people come from Right For Your Life every day. Um, I also get popular content. So the, the most popular pages on my website are ranked and I can see all of that too. And that all comes for free with all Squarespace plans. It comes as standard. They're fantastic stats package. Squarespace, um, they have plans that start from as little as $8 a month um, equivalent, and that's on the annual plans, and $10 a month for the monthly plans. Go check all of this out at squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels and start your two-week free trial. You get to use the full service for those two weeks. Nothing's restricted, and you don't need any credit cards or anything to sign up. And when you do sign up, make sure you use the offer code 70 decibels 6 Now we're in the month of June. That's 70 
D-E-C-I-V-E-L-S-6 at checkout. This way you'll get 10% off your first purchase and it will also let Squarespace know that we sent you. Um, I've been using Squarespace for years. I used them for 70 decibels. I used them for my personal blog too. I was using them long before they we were affiliated with them in any way. In my opinion, they are the best place to have a blog. They host everything for you and give you the tools you need to create it. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend them as the place to go. Thank you very much, Squarespace. And thank you, Mike, for telling us about their massive package. I noticed that. Oh, terrible, isn't it? The things that I say, Ian. Things that I say. <laughs> I thought I did very well not to giggle and laugh halfway through. So I thought I did very well not to giggle and laugh too. Anyway, you tell us where you uh, where we can find you. I mean, you have already done this, but uh, I think I've done it quite a few times too. But one final time, where can we find you online, Mike? Go to Twitter. You've heard everything else. I'm iMike on Twitter. That's I-M-Y-K-E, because I like to be different. And uh, you can find me on Twitter too. I am at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E. Because your parents you... like to be different. <laughs> I also like to be different. Um, and, of course, writeforyourlife.net, which will soon become ianbroom.com. But don't go there because there's nothing to see yet. Indeed. Okay, that's it. It's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Nothing. <laughs> Never mind. Ian, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. I shall speak to you next week. Cheers. <laughs>